We're going to uh, skip over the special music this morning, get right into the message. We'll pray, uh, we'll read the Bible, we'll pray, we'll jump into the message. I've got a message that's been heavy on my heart all week long. And, um, no, actually not all week long. I had another message that uh, I was uh, (laughs) laying in my glass casket um, meditating on, putting together. I really felt it was like what the Lord would have me to preach today. And about Wednesday, God really began to impress this message on my heart, so much so that I couldn't get away from it. Uh, I I really, it it was uh, constantly on my heart and mind. And uh, so I'm going to share it with you this morning. And I just pray that God gets all of our attention, and be honest with you, mine first and foremost. I want God to get my attention. I want God to shake me with this this morning even more than he already has. Would you ask God to speak to your heart this morning? And uh, let's read the scripture. Uh, Stand, you haven't stood in a while, so stand with me and uh, stretch those legs. I'm going to try not to be long. I really am. But uh, I don't know of a more important message, uh, all things considered, considering the state of things in our country, considering where our teenagers are at, very uh, sensitive to the Spirit of God right now, and uh, everything considered, I can't imagine a more important message than this one that I believe the Lord has given me to give to you this morning. Matthew 26, we're going to read verses 36 through 41. Would you read it with me out loud? Ready? Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's pray. Father, I certainly have no expectation this morning of preaching a great message. And I have no expectation of... starting or accomplishing anything great. I just have a burden that has been aching on my heart since about Wednesday. You put it there. I know you put it there because when I get a burden like this, especially I really didn't want to preach this today, but when it, it nags at me, I know where it's coming from. And, uh, Lord, I just pray. I don't have the words today to communicate what is on my heart. I pray your spirit would do what I cannot do, what no preacher can do. 
And that is to speak to hearts here this morning. Have your way among us, please. We need you. We desperately need you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated, please. This morning, I want to share with you what is to me the most challenging call to prayer in the entire Bible. I'm saying this call to prayer challenges me more than any other. Jesus was facing not only the most critical night in his life, but he was facing one of the most important nights in the history of the human race. It was the night before he was to be crucified to die for our sins and three days later rise again so that man could be redeemed. He has been preparing his disciples and he has led his disciples through Jerusalem to a place where he liked to go to pray. Jesus had places that were his favorite places to pray when he was in a given city. If he was in a city repeatedly in Jerusalem, he went to uh, yearly and he had places that he liked to pray. I think that's a good idea. I have places around Danbury where I just like to go and uh, park and read my Bible, pray, and even places where I go, and uh, I'll write out word for word a sermon that I'm going to preach, and uh, I would tell you where they are, but I don't want to see you there. So, um, But uh, various places, and then I also had, and Jesus had, and it's his example that I hope I'm following, he had types of places that he liked to pray. So that if he was a place where he had never been before, for example, he liked to pray up on a mountain. So he'd find an elevated spot. And and so if he wasn't in a place where he regularly went, he could find an elevated spot and go there and pray all night. And I would recommend that to you if you're going to a strange place to have types of places. For example, I like to pray by the water, any body of water. If I could, whether by by a river or or, uh, by the ocean, which that doesn't happen very often, but or or a lake, if I can get near a body of water, there's just something about that. I also like to to pray, uh, as as, uh, Jesus set the example, I like to pray uh, in elevated spots where I could see the people down below. All right, I'll give you one of my spots, but I better not see you there, is uh, the, the top floor of the Danbury Hospital uh, parking garage. I love to go up there and, and pray because you can see a good part of the city right there. And those are the kind of spots where I like to go and pray. So Jesus had favorite places. He also had favorite types of places. And when he was in Jerusalem, Jesus liked to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He led his disciples down. There was outside the city walls, down some steps, across a brook, and there's a garden on the other side. There are trees there that they say to this day are actually still the trees that were growing in Jesus' day. Very, very old trees. He led his disciples into that garden. He stopped at a place, and of course there was only 11 of them, because Judas had already gone his way to do his thing. So eight 
of the remaining 11, he stopped and he said, guys, you stay right here for a while. They knew where Jesus was going. He said, Peter, James, John, you guys come with me. He went deeper into the garden. He came to a spot. And he said to them these words. My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. You need to ponder that. I'm not really sure all that's in that statement, but I know there's a lot to it. This man who had raised people from the dead was sorrowful unto death. There's a few people in this room who have been in such a deep depression that either A, you wanted to die, or B, you thought you were going to die, even though there was nothing physically wrong with you. I think that's what sorrowful unto death means. Jesus was in a darkness. He says, my soul is sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Jesus goes by himself further into the garden all by himself. He prays a prayer so famous that most of us know what he said. Father, remove this cup. Nevertheless, not thy will, not my will, but thine be done. He stays there for an hour and he prays. He comes back and he finds his three dearest friends. His three most loyal followers. Fast asleep. And he says to them, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? And it's in that statement, that question, that I find the most convicting call to prayer anywhere in the Bible for me personally. Could you not watch with me one hour? This is a spiritual watch that Jesus is talking about. It's not a physical watch. He wasn't asking them to watch because the Roman soldiers are coming. The Roman soldiers were coming to arrest him, and that was going to happen. That was part of God's plan. And don't forget that when they did arrive and Jesus pulled him his sword, I'm sorry, Peter pulled his sword, Jesus said, put, put your sword away. So Jesus was not asking for a physical watch here. He was asking them for a spiritual watch. He was asking them to watch with him in prayer. Could ye not watch with me one hour? Why, by the way, would he ask them to watch in prayer, if he wasn't asking them to fight off the Roman soldiers and the chief priests and, and Pharisees, what did they need to watch for? It was a spiritual watch, and here's what it was. He said, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. And what he's saying is, if you will watch with me, you will be ready for what's coming. They had no idea what was coming. And by the way, we have no idea what is coming. But he said, watch 
and pray. And he came back and found them sleeping. And I gotta, I'm just going to be totally transparent with you. I'm embarrassed at how many times God has found me on my knees asleep. Just being honest with you. Could you not watch with me? Now, many times when I consider this passage, my focus has been on the one hour. And that's great. That's important. But I want to focus your attention this morning on the question, could you not watch with me? Could you not watch with me? The Bible in several other places associates prayer and watching. And that's how I know That this same prayer challenge is for me. It wasn't just for Peter, James, and John. Matthew 26, 41, we were talking about watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Mark 13, 33, take heed, watch, and pray, for you know not when the time is. Luke 21, 36, watch ye therefore and pray always. Ephesians 6, 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Colossians 4 verse 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same. In the same meaning in prayer. See, there's something about this watching that takes prayer to a a little bit more urgent level. 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. The word watching, watch, I'm sorry, the word watch means keep awake. Be vigilant. It's the same word used in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That word vigilant, same word as the word watch in the Greek language. So in other words, he's saying, be sober and watch. Watch. The concept here is the same concept as a man whose job it is to stand guard while others are sleeping. It's the same concept as the watchman who stands on the wall of the city. And it's his job to keep awake while others sleep. It's the same concept as the sniper who watches and looks below and watches to make sure that the soldiers down below are not attacked from an enemy that's sneaking among them. It's the person who stands up high and the person who waits and stands before the Lord to watch in prayer for the people that he loves. Watch. And Jesus asks the question, could ye not watch with me? This watching is spiritual. It's directly tied to prayer. There may be a kind of praying that is not tied to watching, but there is no kind of spiritual watching that does not include praying. God is looking for people who are willing to stand with Him and watch in prayer. In fact, and and I don't understand how this is true, but God needs people 
to stand watch in prayer. And to those of us, and this is all of us at some time or another, and some of us at all times, those of us who neglect to stand watch in prayer, he says to us, could you not watch? Could you not watch? Could ye not watch with me, Jesus, specifically as our mediator, is looking for people who are willing to stand watch with him in prayer. In fact, I'll go a step further, and I don't even feel comfortable making this statement, but I feel it's accurate. I find it fascinating that there are some things that Jesus cannot do, or at least will not do, without me standing watch in prayer. I don't understand that. I don't mean that he's powerless. I mean that there are some areas where he chooses to be powerless unless somebody is standing watch with him in prayer. And I don't get that. I don't understand why that's true. I've never understood, to be honest with you, I've never understood at all why God needs me to pray. Surely God can do what he wants to do without my prayers. Surely he's got enough grace and mercy and love to do good things for people without me having to talk them into it. I've never understood why God needs me to pray, but I do know this, that he tells me he needs me to pray. So whether I understand it or not, I've got to choose to stand watch with him in prayer. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. Watch ye therefore and pray always. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance. Continue in prayer and watch in the same. The end of all things is at hand, but ye therefore be therefore sober and watch. And the Bible says several times, I didn't include it in these passages, to watch lest he comes upon us as a thief in the night. Let me just throw in a parenthetical on that note. Jesus is not coming as a thief in the night for everybody. He's only coming as a thief in the night for those who aren't watching. I didn't just make that up. That's in the book. He says, watch lest I come unto you. He said, when I come unto you, don't, I'm paraphrasing, don't let me take you by surprise. Be watching and praying. Jesus calls us to stand and watch with him in prayer. I'm talking about every day. He's calling you to stand watch with him in prayer. Search your own heart. I'm not trying to be cruel or make you feel bad. I just... Ask you to search your heart while I search mine. How many days this week did he find you standing watch in prayer? How many days this week did he find you? Or let me reverse the question. How many days this week did a 24-hour period go by 
where nobody from your corner of the planet stood watch in prayer. Nobody stood watch for your family in prayer. Nobody stood watch on your street. Nobody stood watch in your town. Nobody stood watch for your coworkers. Nobody stood watch. How many days went by where the enemy had free access to the people in your life because you went, you ever, you ever go to a park, like a state park, you go to Kent Falls and they got that booth out there, they're going to charge you parking and you, got, and you pull up, you're getting your wallet out, you look, there's nobody in the booth, you're like, cool, man, and you just drive in, you don't have to pay for parking for whatever reason, I mean, there's nobody there to take the money, what am I supposed to do, take five bucks out and leave it there on the, I ain't going to do that. I wonder how many times Satan has pulled in to your yard and found that nobody has been there standing watch any time recently and he's got free access to your family. Could you not watch with me? Could you not watch in prayer for your family? Could you not watch in prayer for lost souls? Do you have on your prayer list a place where your coworkers' names are listed? Could you not watch in prayer for our city? It scares me to death that I'm going to stand before God and find out that we all were counting on somebody else to pray for our city. Could you not watch in prayer for our teenagers? That picture by the Ferris wheel at, at uh, Navy Pier. We're going to get a picture of that for you. And by Wednesday night, we'll have it available to you. Where if you want to take that and pray, we've got one just about every year. We usually get it by uh, Buckingham Fountain, but that's a great picture. We'll use that one for you to pray for our teenagers. Our teenagers need somebody to stand watch in prayer for them. Could you not watch in prayer for new believers? Could you not watch in prayer for our nation? My heart broke this morning when somebody sent me a picture of the Empire State Building lit up in green in honor of the Muslim holiday. When just a short distance from there, those same people, in the name of Allah, killed thousands of Americans. And what we're seeing, folks, is the blindedness of our nation. We can't see straight. Our nation needs some serious prayer. Our president needs some serious prayer. Our Congress needs some serious prayer. I am for the, hey, I'm for getting the, 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 the right guy in office. But, but the right guy in office alone is not going to fix anything. He needs some Christians standing watch in prayer.
Can't you stand watch in prayer? Could you not watch in prayer for fellow believers? Could you not watch in prayer for your church? Could you not stand watch in prayer for the people in your Sunday school class? Could you not stand watch in prayer for pastors and evangelists and missionaries across America and around the world? Could you not stand watch in prayer for the soldiers that are fighting terrorism around the world right this second? For some reason, Jesus Christ has chosen for us to partner with Him in prayer. And He urges us to stand watch for people all around us. He calls us to the watching place. And when one more day goes by that the watching place has remained empty, can you not hear the Spirit of God saying to your soul, What? Could ye not watch with me in prayer? I don't know what infuriates me more to watch videos. And I really, I, I'm, I'm speaking of this, but I honestly don't get wrapped up in this because I don't want my mind to live here. But every once in a while, God makes sure I see something just to remind me where it's at. I don't know what angers me more to watch videos of a room full of Muslims with machine guns in their hands bowing down to Allah with energy and excitement or to think of how many seats and how many auditoriums across America are empty this morning while Christians who serve a risen Savior are out on a boat somewhere. Our neglect of the place of prayer is killing us. And we don't have the energy to fix it. Every ministry in our church needs somebody standing watch in prayer. Every church service needs somebody standing watch in prayer. The Sunday morning service needs Christians standing watch in prayer. The Sunday evening service needs Christians standing watch in prayer. The Wednesday night Bible study prayer meeting needs... You say, wait a minute, praying for a prayer meeting? Oh yeah, if God comes down in a prayer meeting, miracles can happen. God wants people standing watching prayer before the meeting even begins. The Sunday school as a whole needs people standing watching prayer. I'm talking about the middle of the night. You didn't schedule it, you didn't plan on it, but you wake up. And the Spirit of God speaks to your heart and says, I wonder who's praying for those people in your class right now. You may not even be the teacher. But you go to that class every week and you, I wonder who's praying for those people right now. God wakes me up every once in a while and I don't like to get out of bed any more than you do. And so I lay there for a little bit, try to go back to sleep. And God says, stupid, you didn't wake up by accident. 
That's not fair. God doesn't call me stupid. I am stupid, but he doesn't call me that. He loves me. I get up. And I don't know why. I know, I know I'm supposed to pray for somebody. Well, the first people I pray for when that happens is I pray for my family. I pray for Amy, Catherine, Joey, and Amanda. God, please. I don't know what's going on. They're all in the next room. Everything's fine. But if, the, if there's something I need to pray for, Lord, I bring them before you in prayer. Then I begin to pray for you. And I go through the, the, uh, the list. And I pray for, for uh, every. I don't know who's got a crisis. And then a number of times as I'm praying, some specific name comes to mind. Maybe in our church, maybe a friend of mine somewhere else. And I say, Lord, I don't know why this name is on my heart, but I bring him to you tonight, Lord, and I just pray that you bless him, help him, strengthen him, Lord, whatever the need is, please help. And I got to tell you, most of the times, most of the time, I never find out any reason why I needed to be praying. But I'll tell you this, when I refuse to pray, I never get back to sleep unless I do pray. But the spirit, you say, oh yeah, you tell us what a great, no, no, it, it takes, it takes about 15 archangels to drag me out of that bed at three o'clock in the morning. It's not because I'm such a wonderful person. It's because I want to get back to sleep and I know there's no other way, but to go ahead and pray. Are you standing watching prayer? Say, I don't have an hour a day to pray. We're being destroyed by what we do have many hours to do while we don't have one hour. Now, I'm not preaching on one hour this morning. I am preaching on a significant investment of your time in prayer. What I'm preaching on is standing watch for prayer every day. I'm winding it down. Don't worry. When I don't stand watching prayer, something goes undone. Who could be saved if you'd stand watching prayer every day? Who could be healed if you would stand watching prayer every day? Whose life could be changed if you would stand watching prayer every day? Whose marriage could be fixed if you don't stand watching prayer every day? Who could be delivered from addiction? If you don't stand watching prayer, every, if you would stand watching prayer every day, what heartaches could be avoided? And listen, what could happen in our nation if Bible-believing Christians stood watch in prayer every day? Americans are not praying. We're not standing watch in prayer. Our military alone is not going to have the victory. I praise God for our military heroes. I, I admire and respect them. I love the legacy of Robert O'Neill, the man who killed Osama bin Laden. I love the legacy of Chris Kyle, the American sniper. I love the Navy SEALs. But military might alone is not going to win this thing for us. Say, well, I don't know anybody in Iraq. Well, I got news for you. The soldiers in Iraq don't know you either, but they're fighting for you. Are we standing watch for them? 
right around the time when we were moving from the VFW over here, there was a couple that had come to our church for six or seven years, and they moved the other side of uh, the, the Hudson, and they, they didn't have maybe the dedication of Brother Steve or I shouldn't say that because they might hear this message. I love you guys. But, uh, well, for whatever reason, they didn't feel led to keep making the trip. But before they did, before they moved, and I don't think they've ever even been inside this building, before they made the trip, uh, made the move, the husband gave me a picture. At first, I hung it on the wall in my living room, and then... When I got my own office here, I hung it on the wall over my desk. You know I love American Revolutionary history. There's no reason militarily why we should have beat the British. No reason. But the reason we beat the British is right here. One of the most famous pictures of George Washington. And at a low point in the American Revolution, the war, an officer wrote a letter. I believe it was to his wife. It may have been to another officer. He wrote a letter. He said, I'm encouraged. We're going to win this thing. It doesn't feel very encouraging right now, but I know we're going to win because this morning I came upon General Washington kneeling in the snow and praying. I don't know how many of the Robert O'Neills and Chris Kyles of our military know how to pray. I can't do what they do. But I can stand watching prayer. Folks, it has never been at crisis point more than it is right this very second. Let me read you a text I got yesterday. From a pastor friend of mine in California, Friday at 3 p.m., an official from California shut down our day camp with no appeal process. I called the Christian Law Association. Now, the Christian Law Association has their finger on the pulse of religious freedom in America like nobody else does. They are the reason, the tool that God has used why we have had freedom this long. They have fought battles all the way to the Supreme Court. When the Enron case changed the way corporations were run and brought on hundreds and hundreds of regulations that affected everybody, including churches, and would have closed most churches down, the Christian Law Association went to battle all the way to the Supreme Court, and of hundreds of regulations that would have affected both businesses and churches, they got it narrowed down to just one. Without that, Our doors probably wouldn't be open. I've called the Christian Law Association. They're working on it diligently. I was told by a lawyer that these types of ministries, day camps, summer day camps, that's all it is, kids come to camp for for a camp program in the summertime. These types of ministries will be attacked. Then schools. Then homeschooling. Then the church itself. Not trying to sensationalize anything, but real prayers needed as whether we should take a stand or back off and close down the summer camp program. Please pray. 
The threat, folks, is real. But it's not hopeless if we'll stand watch in prayer. When and where do you stand watch in prayer? That's my question this morning. It's do or die right now. Either we stand watch in prayer, we'll be destroyed. And I don't want to stand before my Savior and hear him say, Joe, could you not watch with me? Could you not watch with me? Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you'd help us.